0: Christ Jesus, our Lord. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. The Lord has made known his victory. He has revealed his vindication in the sight of the nations. Let us pray. Almighty God, we pray that you would draw near to us this morning, not because we deserve it or there is something special about us, but because you are the God who has promised to do so through Jesus Christ and by your Holy Spirit, we come in the name of Jesus Christ, and pray that you would work among us with your Word, that you would quicken and refresh our hearts, you would renew and increase our strength, so that we might grow into your likeness and be, and by our worship be enabled better to serve you in our daily life. And all this we pray through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our first hymn is number ninety-eight. Now, thank we all our God. Consider our affliction and our trouble and forgive all our sins, O God. Let us pray the prayer printed in the bulletin. Father, eternal giver of light and grace, we have sinned against you and against our neighbor in what we have thought, in what we have said and done through ignorance, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We have rejected your love and marred your image in us. We are sorry and ashamed and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past, and lead us out from darkness to walk as children of light. Amen. Please stand for the assurance of pardon. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of our works. So that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I declare to you as a minister of the gospel that all those who have faith in Jesus Christ and repent of their sin are truly forgiven of all their sin. And we rejoice in this, and we say together, praise be to God. When God brought the people of Israel out of Egypt, redeeming them from slavery and establishing them as his own people, he called them in response at the covenant that he, with the covenant that he made at Mount Sinai. He called them in response to obey him, and he gave them ten commandments, the tenth of which is this, you shall not covet. Jesus Christ, to whom we belong, claims not just our words and our deeds, but our thoughts, our desires, everything about our person, everything about our lives. As Christians, we are to recognize that to covet involves desiring things wrongly. We are not to desire for ourselves what belongs to someone else. We are not to envy what our neighbor has, whether it is his house, his job, his wife, his money, his property, his popularity, or anything else. Rather, as Christian people, we are to be content with what we have. And I want you to notice, I always include a reference to the Preface to the Ten Commandments when I use these Ten Commandments, when God brought his people out of uh, Egypt, delivering them from slavery it 's the Ten Commandments are all based on god 's gracious act so it 's not just a le- it 's not really a legalistic thing at all it 's something that flows out of god 's grace. God acts in grace to redeem his people. He has done that for us in Jesus Christ, and out of that act of grace. We respond with gratitude and thanksgiving. Um, the Heidelberg makes that all very clear. We respond with a life of thanksgiving for what God has done for us. But it's more than that. It's not just our own response. It's the grace of God that, in, that is at work within us so that we can obey him. And this is one of those commandments, thou shalt not covet. We are to be content with what we have. For this is God's will for us in Jesus Christ, and let us say amen. Our hymn is number six zero seven. Thy loving kindness, Lord, is good and free. <laughs> Thy loving face from me in my distress. In mercy hear my prayer, thy servant bless. Needy and sorry. let bow our heads in prayer. Almighty God, who gives ear to our cries, listens to our prayers, who has done great deeds for our salvation among the nations, we lift up our voices to you in the name of Jesus, offering up our prayers to you, O Father. To you we give our thanks and bring our petitions this day. Father, we thank you for the church and for the fellowship and wisdom that we have found in her for the teaching and the instruction whereby we learn of our utter dependence upon you and your faithfulness to save us and the communion in which we speak the truth of Christ to one another in love and are growing up into the maturity of Christ in whom we are being joined and fitted together. We thank you for the church. May your people be faithful to you while we wait for the coming of the Lord and while we serve you in this world. We do pray for the Orthodox Presbyterian Church We pray that you would form it together in the unity, the faith, the hope, and the love of the Holy Spirit in Christ. In particular, we pray for our moderator and the clerks of our presbytery, for Wes Reynolds, Stephen Pribble, and Vern Picknally. Here are our prayers for our presbytery. We thank you for those who proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and for all that we have learned from the preaching and teaching of your word. Increase the proclamation of the gospel in this city. Grant that the ministers of the churches would be faithful ministers of the word, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ and not some other news. Here are prayers for other churches that come to mind. For the leaders of this country, we pray, for Joe Biden, our president, for Gretchen Whitmer, our governor, our senators, our representatives, the Supreme Court. Let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Guide us in the way of justice and truth so that we will want to help the weak and the sick, protect the dignity of women, stop those who prey on others, preserve, O God, your moral order, so that those who act against it may learn what is right and true. We also pray for those who have had to face devastating situations by Hurricane Adelia or the fire, fires in Hawaii in that city of Lahaina. May help arrive for them quickly and aid to rebuild, and we pray your church would be in the midst of it all, pointing people to Jesus Christ and helping them. Here are our prayers. Father, we thank you for the kindnesses and mercies that you give to us in ordinary life, for your providential care, for the strength you give to those who labor for us, for mothers and fathers, co-workers, teachers, neighbors, husbands, and wives. Strengthen us again by your word. Make us willing to be of service to others. And may the people of this country learn to live with decency and respect for each other. Hear our prayers. As the crowds brought the sick and the lame to Jesus to, so he would touch them and heal them, so we bring to you the members of our congregation and among our friends who have particular needs. We pray for Jeff and Linda, Fawn and Bob, for Eduardo and Shirley, for Frida, for Tammy's family, for Becky and Bob, for Caroline, Vicki, Angie, Jane, Margaret, Phil, Dom, Dominic, Karen, and others we name to you. You are the giver of life and health. Bless those who are sick and those who care for them so that they may be restored to health and body and mind, and if they are at the end of their life, that you would uphold them in your grace and that you would keep them with faith in Jesus Christ. Give wisdom to those who must make difficult decisions for those who are sick and grant peace to those who are fearful. In addition, we do pray for our children in their studies. Bless them with more knowledge, diligence to gain the same, and the strength of heart to serve you. And may they have minds that are shaped with true knowledge of your creation and by your word. Here are our prayers for our students. These prayers and petitions we present to you by the Assistance of your Holy Spirit in the name of our most blessed Lord and Redeemer, Jesus Christ, who taught us when we pray to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us present our gifts and offerings to the Lord.
1: And now let us pray as we prepare to hear God's word read and preached, our prayer for illumination. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we only ask that you would bring your word to us by your spirit, that you would build up our faith, that you would help us to learn to live out our faith, even as we engage in this earthly life, that you would give us the grace and wisdom to set our mind on heavenly things and to seek your kingdom first and your glory as well. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Our reading begins in Hosea. Hosea chapter 11. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. The more they were called, the more they went away. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and burning offering to idols. Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up by their arms. But they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of kindness and with the bands of love. And I became to them as one who eases the yoke on their jaws. And I bent down to them and fed them. They shall not return to the land of Egypt, but Assyria shall be their king, because they have refused to return to me. The sword shall rage against their cities, consume the bars of their gates, And devour them because of their own counsels. My people are bent on turning away from me. And though they call out to the Most High, He shall not raise them up at all. How can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? How can I make you like Atma? How can I treat you like Zeboim? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my burning anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim, for I am God and not a man, the Holy One in your midst, and I will not come in wrath. They shall go after the Lord. He will roar like a lion when he roars. His children shall come trembling from the west. They shall come trembling like birds from Egypt and like doves from the land of Assyria. And I will return them to their homes, declares the Lord. We turn next to our Psalter reading from Psalm 86. Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me. Preserve my life, for I am godly. Save your
2: servant, who trusts in
1: you, for you are my God. Be gracious to me, O Lord. Gladden the soul of your servant. For to you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving. steadfast love to all who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer.
2: Listen to my plea for grace.
1: In the day of my trouble I call upon you. For you me? There is none like you among the gods, O Lord. All the nations you have made shall come and, worship before you, o Lord. and shall glorify your name.
2: We are great and do things,
1: you alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. My heart fear your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart. For great is your steadfast love toward me.
2: You have delivered my soul from the deaths of Sheol.
1: Our epistle reading is from 1 John chapter 4. Beginning in verse 7. Beloved. But that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. And finally, in the Gospel of John. We read from chapter 13, verses 31 through 35. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while, I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, Where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The word of the Lord.
0: Every writing in the New Testament has an occasion for the writing. I think sometimes, these many years, centuries after the writings were written, we've developed this idea that they're sort of abstract writings that just sort of stand on their own as some kind of abstract um, truth or testimony, but they're not. They have an occasion for every writing. To put it simply, there's a backstory for the writing. And the backstory for John's letter our epistle lesson today, can be discerned in part from what the letter talks about. That's how you can learn a lot. Sometimes the letter is very uh, assertive and, and brings it right out, the problems that were going on in the church or the good things going on in the church, the reason for the writing of the letter. But sometimes it's not so obvious, and you have to discern it as best you can from the clues um, in the letter itself. Verse, chapter 2, verse 4 indicates that there was a problem in the church to whom John was writing with some who said they knew Jesus but they were not keeping his word his commandments that commandment is to love one another in the gospel of John Jesus gives that commandment to his disciples you heard this from John chapter 13 a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you you also are to love one another and the first letter of John picks up um, picks up on that and instructs John's church to enact that commandment. It's really focused on this one particular, this sort of this primary commandment that Jesus gave to love one another. And there were some in the church to whom John was writing that were not doing that. There are other indications in John's letter, letter that there were some coming to the church who were against Jesus Christ. Antichrist is, is the way it's uh, referred it's simply saying against christ teaching the church things that went against christ trying to pull the members of the church away from christ and there were some who left the church and followed these opponents of christ chap john first john 2 verse 19 says they went out from us but they were not of us for if they had been of us they would have continued with us and there were also struggles with sin in the church. That's why John frequently brings up sin in the letter in chapters 1 and 2 and, and so forth. But the overarching concern in the letter of 1 John is love love for God, love for Christ, and love for each other. The church today is also lacking in love for each other. It doesn't mean it's absent, but it's lacking. Um, As many of you know, I am on the church visitation committee, and sometimes, and this is a committee of presbytery, and sometimes I must visit church sessions in conflict. This summer, I've interacted with several churches. In the churches, there are those who are trying to control and manipulate others. There are those who insist that they're right and they try to dominate the church. There are those with volcanic anger. There are those cussing each other out during disagreements. There are those dividing the church. There are uh, all of these lack love in the church, and every church, all Christians, can lack love. In fact, none of us can say that we are perfected in love. So this is a problem not just for certain individual churches out there, but all churches can face these kinds of problems in one way or another show a lack of love. And on route to these churches, as I've been driving over to the church here or there, this summer, I find myself thinking, can't we all just love each other and get along? After all, we're Christians. And then I think to myself, man, you sound like an old hippie. <laughs> Before we get to our love for each other, we must begin with God's love for us. First John speaks to the whole church. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. How do we speak of God's love for us? Well, our hymns express it as amazing, wondrous, beautiful, indescribable. God loves us. Now, make no mistake, it's a love that judges. It's a love that hates sin. It's a love with burning fire. His love is a love that is full of justice and righteousness and zeal for the goodness of his creation. And at the center of it all is his love. Our text from 1 John has those famous words in it, God is love. Scripture bears witness to us that God's love for us is a love that is a relationship or communion that is for our good and blessedness. Right at the beginning of this letter, John refers to fellowship with God in chapter 1. He says, that which we have seen and heard the word of God's life, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. God's love is fellowship with him. God's love is presented in terms of human relationships in the Bible. And we heard our Old Testament lesson from Hosea. God's love for Israel is like a father for his son. That's the metaphor being used there. Our Old Testament lesson from Hosea speaks of that love, of the love of God for Israel. His people had run away from him. They had chased after gods that were not gods at all. They rejected their relationship with their true father. And God was angry with them. His love is a jealous love. They had turned away from the one who had taught them how to walk. Did you hear that language of how a father works with his child? Um, Hosea there, or God there in Hosea, talks about teaching them to walk, how he held them in his arms, he healed them, he bent down to them and fed them and led them with kindness and love. He judged their rejection of him and their disobedience. God's love for Israel is as a father's love for his son, but he wouldn't reject them. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus tells the story of a father and a son in order to teach us about God and his relationship of love with us, the story of the prodigal son. And in that story, the father, in love, receives his prodigal son back into relationship with him with all the affection of a huge embrace and a kiss, a kiss of welcome. He also puts a beautiful robe on his son and prepares a joyful feast for him. God's love is a love of being in communion with him from which comes blessing and life. Not to have God's love, not to be in communion with him or relationship with him, is death and destruction. God's love is so vital for us that the church has set it firmly in its Christian worship and in its theology and in its life. In our worship, we often hear the pardon of our sin with a declaration of God's love for us in Jesus Christ. For instance, the Lord, people of God, is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. That's taken from Exodus, but that's sometimes used as the assurance of pardon. People of Christ, God shows his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 6. Also, the hymns we sing in worship extol the love of God for us. Like the hymn, What Wondrous Love Is This, O my soul, O my soul. And Lord, with glowing heart I'd praise thee for the bliss thy love bestows. And a standard benediction, at the end of the worship pronounced upon you, at the at the end is the the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be upon us all now and forever. And these are not just Incidental or, or uh, standalone or like independent kinds of uh, parts of, of liturgy. These are very standard aspects of Christian liturgy that churches have used uh, through church history in their worship. Christian theology also highlights God's love. Bernard of Clairvaux wrote a classic work titled On Loving God. And in it, he surveys four types of love that Christians experience as they grow in their relationship with him. Bernard, I think it was in the 13th century when he lived, and he talks about these four types of love that Christians experience in their relationship with God. It begins, he says, with loving oneself, okay, that's sort of where we all come from, and selfish love. But then it moves to loving God as God, and finally, he talks about loving oneself in God, and it's a theological model. Speaking of God's love revealed in Jesus' death, Bernard said, To shame our sins he blushed in blood. He closed his eyes to show us God. Let all the world fall down and know that none but God such love can show. And Bernard is important for us, Reformed in the church. Calvin heavily relied on Bernard in, his theolo- in, his, in Calvin's theological work. Christian writers have written much about the love of God, including Augustine's treatise on the love of God, and then all the way down to the 20th century, C.S. Lewis wrote the four loves. Love is a very important part of Christian theology. And the Christian message to the world has been reduced down, sometimes uh, too reductionistically, but down to God's love. One of the favorite verses in the Bible used for evangelism is John 3.16, For God so loved the world he sent his only begotten Son. And evangelicals like to say, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. It is the work of the spiritual care of the church to help each Christian know the love of God for us personally. And there are all different ways that we need to to learn that and to uh, work through that. God has called you by name, and by Jesus Christ saves you from your sin. You hear how personal that is. Through faith in Christ, you become God's beloved child who is no longer a child of wrath, as Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2. In Christ, God loves you, and we have to help each other learn this and understand you know, and, and develop this. We must all take this to heart and trust in God as our creator and our redeemer and the one who loves us. There's this belief today that God's love is a given. God's love is everywhere and all the time. It's infused into the world like the oxygen that we breathe. It's the love of affirmation. And no matter what we do, this is the way the world thinks, God affirms us. Every decision, every desire, everything that we want, God affirms us. He makes us feel good about ourselves. It's a very therapeutic way of thinking about God's love. And what's happening is the world has its own kind of love, and it's projecting it upon God. And sometimes Christian Christian love can get tangled up with the world's kind of love. I heard a story about Avery Dulles, who became a priest in the Catholic Church. He was invited to preach at some church, and when he arrived before the service, he noticed banners on the wall of the sanctuary that said, Love is God. And this had become a popular way of thinking in that church. The line in our reading this morning from 1 John, God is love, was flipped around as if the reverse was saying the same thing. Love is God. Dulles told the leaders at the church that this was wrong and asked them to take the banners down during worship, and the people refused. Dulles then asked where the bathroom was, and he excused himself. The service began, and at the proper time, Dulles stood up to preach. And once in the pulpit, like this... He asked an usher if one of the banners could be brought over to the pulpit and hung on the front. The usher did so, and then Dulles reached into his pocket and took out a piece of paper towel and a paper clip, and he covered the word is on the the banner, thereby making it read, Love God. Then he proceeded to teach them that God is love, teach them what God is love means and how it's not the same, as love is God. God has given his word to us so that we might know his love, and so we hear God's word today. We are not to take our own ideas about love and whatever the world has concocted about love and then push those onto God. Instead, we are to hear from God's revelation and his word what uh, God's love means. God's love begins within himself. 1 John says love is from God, and it says God is love. There is within God himself love. In the relationship of the triune God, the Father loves the Son, the Son receives the love of the Father and loves the Father in return, and the Holy Spirit shares that love. Love is not all there is to the being of God, as I just said, he's just, he's righteous, he's holy, and so on. But fundamental to who God is, is his triune love. It is love in action. God's love is eternally in action within himself. The creeds of the church and our confession get at this with the word eternally. The Son is eternally begotten. The Spirit is eternally pre- pre- proceeding from the Father and the Son. And so, some have called it the eternal dance of God, this eternal movement of love within his being. God's love, therefore, is not a static love. It doesn't sit still. It's always in triune relationship. It is never set still, ever. It's always giving, receiving, sharing. It's not like a kiss at a wedding frozen in time by a photograph and later the husband and wife look at the photograph and think about how their love used to be. God's love is in action. God enacts his love for us in this world by his son, Jesus Christ. John says it was manifested in him. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world. Jesus Christ is how God's love comes into this sinful world. And in particular, the death of Jesus reveals God's love. John goes on to say God sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation means to sacrifice, refers to sacrifice. Jesus' death on the cross is a sacrifice. He offers himself as the sacrifice for the sin of the world. He was delivered up for our trespasses, as Paul says in Romans. Jesus gave himself to be sacrificed for a sinful world for sinners like you and me. And it's a sacrifice for those who don't deserve it. Jesus' death reveals that God's, God loves sinners who are unworthy of his love. The nature of God's love is self-sacrifice for sinners. Now, the ancient world, apart from Christianity, the ancient world in general thought it was highly inappropriate, or, or let me put it this way, it was highly appropriate to only love those who were worthy of being loved. That's how the ancient world saw it. You should only love those who are worthy to be loved. Who should you love? Well, loyal friends, family members, someone who had something good to contribute to society. Those are the kinds of people you're to love. One did not sacrifice himself or herself for criminals and slaves, the infirm or utter strangers. And Paul alludes to this ancient view of sacrifice in his letter to the Roman church. He says, For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. In other words, the, the base common idea was you die for someone who deserved it, who was worthy of it. To sacrifice oneself for unworthy sinners was an, was astonishingly, astonishingly strange in the ancient world. God's love seeks our good at great cost to himself Jesus' death for us sinners is a cost that only God can bear he takes the punishment for our sins upon himself he takes his judgment for our sin upon himself he takes the corruption and guilt of our sin upon himself and we don't bear any of it in for our reconciliation with God he bears it all himself for us the love that God enacts in this world is a self-sacrificial love So then, God's love comes from outside the world into the world. We might say it's an alien love in this world. And that's to say it's not the same as the love that we know from within this world, the other kinds of love. And there are other kinds of love. There's husband and wife love. There's love for ourselves, love for animals, friendship love. There are other kinds of love. There are good loves. These are all good loves, although they have been corrupted by our sin. Every kind of love in this world is mixed with our selfishness and has some idolatry in it. In marital love, there is asserting ourselves over the other and trying, uh, turning our husband or our wife into an idol, expecting that person to satisfy all of our needs. Or in friendship love, there's manipulation and using the other for one's own gain or to affirm oneself. God's love is not these kinds of love. God's love originates in himself from outside the world and it's enacted in this world by Jesus' death on the cross. God's love comes into the world through Jesus Christ and into us. God's purpose in manifesting his love in the world with Jesus' death is so that we might live through him, as John says. And by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his Holy Spirit There's a movement of God's love from within himself to those who have faith in Jesus Christ, and it begins in God, and it comes to us. God's love is in action, and it moves. God's love moves from within himself and outwardly toward us. John uses the word born, give birth to. Whoever loves has been born of God. The word is used for a mother giving birth to a child, but here it's to us Christians born of God, We who have God's love within us are born of God. God generates his love in us. It's not something that we can produce by our own power. The love of God must be created in us, you see. Do you know anyone who can cause themselves to be conceived and born? Of course not. That's silly. It's something that has to be done to us or for us or or created um, for us. So we Christians have to be born of God's love. He has to um, create us with his love or create his love within us. God generates his love in us. It's not something that we can produce by our own power. The love of God must be created in us. So to use another metaphor, God's love must be planted in us. Think of a seed planted within you that begins to grow. Something has to plant it there. This is precisely what God does by his spirit. With his spirit, his love is implanted in those who have faith in Jesus Christ. God's love is given to us, and it starts to grow. And the love that begins with God is growing in Christians. It's part of our character as Christians, you might say. Now, it might look pretty small because it has to grow. It has to mature. But God is causing that to happen. The love of God begins in God... And we who have faith in Jesus Christ receive it. So then the love of God comes into this world through Jesus Christ's death on the cross. He generates it in us and it goes out. It's fundamental to the triune God that his love is shared. And that sharing ultimately ends up meaning that God shares it with us. It's shared within the being of God, but then it goes out and is shared with us. And how could it be any different with us? It's got to go out to others. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. God's love comes into us, and it goes out. Again, God's love that comes into us is an act of love. It, it doesn't come to, to a standstill. It, doesn't come, it does not come to rest inside of us, and that's the end of it. I've got God's love in me. And I, I can feel it, and it just sits there. No, that's not how it works. God's love is an active love. It's al- It always is active. In other words, God's love is not a love that ends with me. God loves me, and that's the end of the story. His love is the love of being in relationship. It is self-sacrificial love that gives to others. And this is where we have to be distinct about the love we've received, about how it is a unique kind of love. The love produced in us is God's love. It is his own kind of love manifested in the self-sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. It's not just any kind of love, and that's what's so sad about churches that are confusing all of this, is they're mixing the world's kinds of love, and some of those are good loves, but they're mixing it with God's love, and there's a great confusion happening with that. God's love in us does not produce self-love in us, or love only for other people that we like, or love that puts me first. It's not love defined by other kinds of love in this world. The love of God that he generates in us through Jesus Christ is a love that goes out to others and is self-sacrificial. Now, Christian people, God's love comes into this world in Christ and comes into you, and it must go out to each other. Brothers and sisters, let us love one another. It took a long time to get this very simple little phrase, let us love one another. We have to understand how, what God's love is to understand what that means, let us love one another. But some of those others are hard to love. They're prickly. They rub us the wrong way. We don't agree with them on certain political issues. It's far easier to love those who think the same way we do and are calm and easygoing. You might want to avoid such people who are prickly rather than expend the energy in loving them. But that's not the nature of God's love. That's not the kind of love that he has implanted in you. It comes in and it goes out. It's a love that loves those we might think are not worthy of it because that's what God's love has done with us. If it was just up to you to try and love others with God's love, it would be excruciatingly difficult to love those who are hard to love. And really, it would be impossible. When it comes right down to it, you might be able to do that for a little while, but then you'd turn away from it. Or you might be in love with the idea of love, that, yeah, I want to love the unlovable. I want to love those who are hard to love. But then when you meet one of them, eh, I don't don't know, (laughs) and you walk away. The gift of God's love in Christ is that it keeps coming into us. This is the great thing about God's grace. It's not a one-time pill. It keeps coming into us. So because of our relationship with God through Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells within us, that love is constantly coming into us, God's love, which is constantly enabling us to be able to love other people. God keeps loving us in Christ with the Spirit, using his word as he is right now in the Lord's Supper and the fellowship of the church to generate his love in us and help it to grow and mature. And he keeps growing and growing and growing in us so that ultimately the reason we can love those who are hard to love is because God keeps loving us with his love that comes in and goes out. Now then, rely on God's love. He has loved you in Christ in order to love him and to love each other and love the unlovable in this world. Let us pray. O God, you have prepared for those who love you such good things as surpass our understanding. Pour into our hearts such love that we may love you in all things and above all things, and thus love others with the love of Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for us and was raised to make us new. Through the same Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please stand, and if you would, let us confess our faith. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, through whom all things were made, who for us and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the Scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and Giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And we believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church, we acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Our hymn is number 359 Blessed Be the Tie That Binds. Lord's Table, where we are met and nourished by the risen Lord, and where we have true fellowship with one another as members of this one body. As they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to the disciples, and in doing so, and with the words he said, he instituted this meal and set it apart from all other meals. He said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. We welcome to this table all who have been baptized, who have publicly professed faith in Jesus Christ, and are communicative members in good standing in the Christian Church. You are to come to this table with a true faith in Jesus Christ, a sorrow for and willingness to turn from sin, and a determination in reliance upon God's grace to lead a godly life in peace with and love toward your brothers and sisters. Christian people, today we have been reminded that we find true love when we come to Jesus Christ, who is the mediator of God's love. This day we've confessed our sin, we've received the assurance of God's forgiveness, we've heard His call to live and love with the commandment. As you come to the supper, I exhort you to remember the grace that is yours in Him, and strengthened by the sacrament, go forth and love each other. Rejoice in Christ's sacrifice on your behalf. Be strengthened by His gifts and find here the grace you need to follow where he leads. Join with me now in giving thanks to God for his salvation and life in Jesus Christ. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. And lift up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and grace Heavenly Father, we do give you thanks and praise for your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, who, though he was equal with you, became a, did become a man and lived among us as the servant of your salvation. He came to lead us in the way of true life, to suffer and die in order to free us from sin, to bear the cost of our sin, and to be raised into new life for us. He was obedient even to die on the cross so that we might pass from death to life. He is the firstborn of the new creation, and therefore of all of heaven, we praise your great and glorious name. We do join in heaven's song, Holy, 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 Lord God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. We pray now that you would consecrate this bread and cup by your spirit so that we might be fed by our Lord Jesus Christ as we remember his death in faith and participate in in that sacrifice that he has given for us. May our eating and drinking strengthen and refresh our communion with him. We thank you that even as there is one bread and one cup, so the church is one, and together with all your saints, we have been joined with Christ. We praise you and glorify you forever, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom all good things come, who has blessed us in the spirit, and to whom is all the honor along with you. Almighty Father, now and forever. And together we say, Amen. The Lord Jesus Christ took the bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it. said, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he also took the cup, saying, This cup is the cup of the new covenant, sealed in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Take and eat this bread, and drink this cup, and remember Christ's body and blood given for you. Receive it with faith and thanksgiving. Take it and eat and drink. Let us pray. We thank you, O God, that through preaching and the sacrament, your Son, Jesus Christ, has offered himself to us, who is the true bread from heaven and food of eternal life. So strengthen us in your service that our daily living may show our thanks. We would love one another and those who are unlovable. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our final hymn is number 529, Love Divine, All Loves itself.
3: Please be seated and good morning to you all. I do not have a uh, large number of announcements, although one never knows how much we'll have from uh, from the floor. But um, just as we uh, ease back into the uh, the rhythm of the school and educational years, um, we do have um, some uh, some things resuming here. So the Thursday night Bible study uh, is resuming uh, later this month on the development of the Christian canon, um, a uh, topic of of great interest. How do we get? Uh, the Bible that we um, that we we have today uh, women 's prayer meeting is uh, Thursday the fourteenth uh, of the month at uh, mrs roberts 's house um, also as we are uh, we don 't have Christian education today, uh, as you can probably smell, we have our fellowship meal, so please join us for that, uh, but uh, in winding down our um, Christian education time. Um, on Gentle and Lowly. Um, we're going to be transitioning probably early October um, to the topic of narrative apologetics. Um, and uh, do you want to clarify that at all? No, we're just going to leave that out there as a tantalizing invitation. So narrative apologetics, um, it will be our, uh, our primary focus um, for the fall. Yes, you may.
1: Do a summary um, session in two weeks. Um, so just thinking about the questions in the book or questions that
2: you have, okay? So we so we wrap it
3: up in the very good, thank you. Um, does anybody else have anything from the floor? Amy.
4: I just wanted to say thank you, everybody, who came last night and came to celebrate recovery and that's your um Matthew floral's testimony Uh, He did leave some of his material out, and I wanted to just give you a a brief synopsis. So Matt's from Ontario originally, he's over in Cambodia now, and full-time he's serving, uh, doing Celebrate Recovery. So he does it online for men, and then um, they stream their Wednesday night service publicly, so you can watch that if you're interested. Um, You can also join if you're uh, a man. And you're looking for Celebrate Recovery Group online. So, this opportunity to open to us. Um, to give you an idea of what he does, his ministry is for missionaries who are in Cambodia, in Laos, in Vietnam, and those surrounding areas. And they're working very heavily with people who come out of the sex trafficking industry. So, him with the men, and then his wife with the women. And he's doing this full time now. Um, so, we ask that you keep him in prayer. If you feel so inclined, he does have donation forms there as well. But I thought it was worth sharing kind of what's going on. There's a couple of different flyers there. And um, because of where he's at, some of them explain kind of why he's changed the terminology in his newsletter. He's sending to countries, people who are in restricted countries. So there's one that's like, instead of using this, we're talking about this. So I hope that helps you kind of understand where his audience is, who he's working with, and helps you understand also the need that he's
3: working with there. Thank you. Okay. And he, So he's streaming live from Cambodia. Yeah. And what is the uh, time differential? from? it's 7.30 a.m. Wednesday. You can watch Wednesday. Fantastic. So if you are very good. Uh, so uh, for, for more information, uh, for those of you uh, joining us online this morning, Amy expressed uh, gratitude for those who were able to join um, the Celebrate Recovery event last night, Um, and there are some uh, some flyers and some more information from um, Matthew. What's his last name? McCulloch. Matthew McCulloch, who spoke and uh, is um, involved in Celebrate Recovery in uh, Cambodia. Um, So uh, please uh, get in touch with Amy if you want more information on that, or uh, or if and when you're here, there are some flyers and other things available. Anyone else? Yes, Mrs. Wilson.
2: So, Hannah and Jake took their anniversary to go visit her. I said, "Oh, Who do you know as an in-law that's going to go visit their in-law for their
3: anniversary? You would be top of my list. I think they... <laughs> She's... <laughs> Uh, again, for those of you uh, following along at home, um, uh, the Wilson's expressed uh, gratitude for your ongoing prayers for um, uh, Pastor Wilson's mother um, as she suffers with some some major medical issues. Uh, but Jake and Hannah are down visiting, and uh, there, are, there are blessings um, uh, amidst a, uh, a very trying time. Anyone else? All right. If you can be patient for just a couple minutes, we will fill you with good food and uh, good fellowship as well.